as we're reading, okay, never mind. Uh, we're going to see as we're reading about the Last Supper that uh, the disciples don't even look to Judas like when Jesus says, one of y'all is going to betray me. They, they're like, they don't know who it is. They don't know who it could be. They start questioning who it could be. It's not like they all said, yeah, I always knew it was something about that Judas guy. I figured he was going to be the betrayer. and the, They have no clue. They have no clue. Judas looked just like one of them. He acted just like one of them. He spoke just like one of them. The only people right now, as before we start reading, the only people that know that Judas is a betrayer, and he's already gone to the Pharisees and collected his 30 pieces of silver before they've come to this supper. So it's already a done deal. He's just got to go and find the time to point Jesus out. The only people that know that he's a betrayer are Jesus and Judas. Those are the only two people that know. So he's going to give them a great command, the the command that we're all supposed to follow at this Last Supper here. And he's going to, Judas is going to go out and everything's going to start in motion. Uh, And it's going to show us that we can't do anything without him. I mean, you can't do anything. And we'll see it as we get to it. Um, So he's going to prepare them for what's coming. He knows that in a few hours, he's going to go, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried three times. He's going to be crucified by the Romans. He knows that all this is about to happen. Just hours from, you know, it's night now and then before the before the next night he'll be he'll be getting ready to be on the cross. And so he's preparing his disciples for that. Verse 21 is where we'll start. It says uh, no, yeah. It says, when Jesus had said thus, what did he say? He said, whomever I send receiveth me and whoever that receiveth me receiveth he that sent me. He's about to send them out. And he had told them, he had told them that uh, one of them, uh, he said, I'm telling you these things before they come to pass so that you know that I am here. Verse 21 says, when Jesus had said thus, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. We've seen Jesus troubled in spirit before, haven't we? He was all man. He knew. I mean, he had the pressure of knowing he was about to go to the cross. He knew who was going to turn him over to the authorities. He knew what was in the hearts. He had just said earlier in this chapter, I know whom I have chosen. He says, I know you, Peter. I know you, Matthew. I know you. And he, he's going he's gonna to know them better than they know themselves. He knows that Judas is a betrayer, but he, he sees his mission about to be accomplished. And, and he sees the betrayer sitting here at the table. And he knows this is all about to take place it says he's troubled in his spirit and soon very soon it's going to look like to his disciples that everything has just fell apart it's going to look like to his disciples it's going to look like hey we were bad wrong this guy's not the messiah because look they've taken him and they killed him and now what are we going to do and they were just so afraid and for for all intents and purposes the whole thing just got flushed down the toilet. Jesus is telling them right here. He's saying, look, I, this is going, I know this is going to happen. I'm warning you about this is going to happen. It's all part of God's plan, and it's going to be fine. Y'all with me? Okay. When he tells them, one of them is a betrayer. He said, one of you would be, will betray me. They were speechless. Verse 22 says, then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom Jesus spake. They were uh, who, it, who, it could, who it could be. They walked in. Remember last week we talked about how they walked in prideful? Remember they walked right past the bowl and the water and the towel? And they said, you know, we know uh, the servant ain't here, so our feet ain't getting washed. And then Jesus rose from supper and he washed their feet. So I can imagine, and we're going to see Peter here. He's really prideful thinking he's going to follow Jesus in his own strength later. Um, 
all this pride and joy and happiness in the room. Uh, you know, this is this is the culmination. They have just received Jesus into the city with palm leaves, hollering Hosanna and all this stuff. And then Jesus breaks the news to him. He says, one of you guys here at this table is going to betray me. And you can imagine the silence that came over them. It's like, which one? Over in Luke, it says they question one another. Right, and I can almost look at it as if I'm saying, well, it can't be you. You know, you, you know it can't be you. Yeah, that's right. In Luke, it says they questioned each other, like, is it going to be, are, you're the one, ain't you? Are you? You're not the one. You're, are you? And then in Mark, they asked Jesus, am I the one? Each one of them. So you see them, they're questioning everything now. So it's not like... It was. It's all of a sudden like everything's fine. The Passover and the Messiah and we're going to be rulers and the kingdom of God has come. And then all of a sudden in one fell swoop, it's like, am I the betrayer? Are you the betrayer? Are you the... I mean, what's going to happen? What's going on here? They're, they're, they're beginning to understand that their hearts are wicked. You see? They're beginning to understand that... You know, deep down, they know they they're like Peter's going to say, you know, ah, I'm going to follow you till I till you know till I give my life for you. They're like that on the outside, but way down deep, they understand. You know, there's something in me that's ugly. There's something in me that's sinful. There's something in me that's selfish and wicked, and I, and I know it's there. Does Jesus know it's there? You like? Did He see me that one time? <laughs> you, you ever say when somebody says, "I know what you did," you're like. <laughs> All the things you've done, like which one are you talking about? You know, Jesus said one of y'all is going to betray me, and I can see the disciples thinking, "Did he see me the other week when I went behind?" His, you know, they all know that there's ugliness in them. They all know that their thoughts and their minds and their hearts are sinful. And all this, I can see all this coming, flooding up. Is it me? Am I the one? Did, did I do it? You know, did, am I am I the one that's going to betray him? Then, then it can't be me. It's got to be you. <laughs> it's got to be you that's going to betray him. It's not me. And then uh, in uh, we got a little a little uh, parenthesis here where John is the disciple that Jesus loved. He wants to find out. He's asked by Peter to find out who it is. He says, "Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved." Whenever the Gospel of John says the disciple who Jesus loved, that's John. John never identifies himself. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Now, get the picture. You know the picture you've seen of the Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper? What is, was it Leonardo da Vinci yeah. painted that thing? Okay. That is not how it looked. Okay? They did not sit in tables. They did not sit at tables. They weren't in chairs. They definitely weren't all on the same side of the table looking at the camera. <laughs> the table was about six inches off the floor. Six inches off the floor. And they all sat the way that, the way that they did. They sat around the table. They, they leaned with their head toward the table on their left arm. And they used the right arm to eat, you know, and pass food stuff. All the feet were out away from the table. Does that make sense? Y'all see what I'm saying? So, like, the table... This is really going to be awesome. Can you the t- the no. <laughs> Like the, the table is like this, and all these are heads, and the body is out like that. See what I mean? No, they were laying down. They're laying down on a cushion, left arm on the cushion. I am not getting on this floor. <laughs> they were laying down, and all their feet were out from. So John is on Jesus's right. All he really has to do 
is lean back and he's right here on Jesus. See what I'm saying? Where it says he's laying. So it's not like, hey, John's sitting in Jesus' lap at the table. You know, it's not like that. It's like they're all they're all sitting around and Peter's somewhere in the circle and he looks at John like, you know, ask him who it is. And John leans back on Jesus' breast and, and I mean they're face to face. They're right here. And they could Jesus could tell him who who it was. He could tell them what he told him right without anybody else hearing because they were so close to each other. You know, does that make sense? Y'all with me? Yeah. Okay. It also shows that others see think that other people are more spiritual that can go to Jesus for them when they have the right to go with their own if they're saved. That because Peter asked John to right. go? John, you're more spiritual than me. What you ask? Huh. You're closer to Jesus. He definitely was closer. Well, yeah. You're closer to Jesus than me. Right? Yeah. When, when the person themselves, if they're truly born again, they have the right to go on their own. Yeah, well, that's true. And, but Jesus doesn't reveal. He he reveals to John, and I don't know why, but I'm thinking it's because John's the writer of this book, and he's given evidence that he's an eyewitness to these things. He reveals it to John. So at the end of this little section, there's only three people that know that Jesus is that Judas is the betrayer: John, Jesus, Judas. Okay. He says now whether John told Peter at, after it was over, I don't know. But it doesn't say so here. Verse 26, is that where we're at? 26? Yes. Yes. Jesus answered, and he's talking to John, and it's clear that the rest of the disciples do not hear what he's saying right here. So they're whispering, they're talking real quiet. Maybe there's commotion. You know, you get 12 guys around a table, and everybody's talking, everybody's doing this. And so he says, it is, he says, who's the betrayer? He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And that's when bread, morsel of bread. And when he had dipped the sop, the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Then it says, and after the sop, after the bread was given, after Judas received the bread, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus said unto Judas, said unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. Hurry up and get it over with. Okay? So... He gives, he identifies the betrayer to John, the disciple whom he loved, right there, you know, knowing, knowing that he's, he's pointing him out so that when it happens, we're going to know that Jesus already knew it was coming. So it's not like, wow, Jesus is supposed to be God. He's supposed to be this Messiah. I and mean, how would he not know that this guy was going to betray him and they would kill him? You know, it's like them psychic folks with like, I remember one time the, they, the cops busted in on Miss Cleopa or whatever her name was, the psychic lady. And it was like, you, you know what I'm talking about? The 1-800 psychic deal you called and she'd give you a reading or whatever. Y'all are looking at me like, who are you talking about? You have no idea? Y'all don't remember when that was big? The cops broke in on her on her deal, and it was like, wow, you ain't much of a psychic. You didn't know they were coming. You know what I mean? And so it's what Jesus was like. He's letting them know, I know that this is all going to happen. I know it's about to happen. I'm going to identify the man for you that's going to do it. Um, all this is in God's plan. He had told them over and over through this gospel. We've seen it over and over. I'm going to go die. I'm going to go suffer. I'm going to be delivered over to the hands of the Gentiles. And on the third day, I'm going to rise. He had told them over and over again. Of course, they didn't They didn't really recognize it. But here, he identifies it one last time, and they know for sure. Okay? You know about this, giving the sign that everybody didn't know who it was, and that some were going to betray him. Okay. My thing is, maybe they thought maybe sometime in the future, they, 
because everything that had just happened, you know, ain't nobody going to betray him right now. Maybe so. That's, I mean, that's very possible. I, I really don't know. When you talk about what they were thinking while this was going on, we we're all just kind of putting ourselves in their position. Exactly. But I'm saying, yeah. if you look at it as, as after the events that took place. Right, right. Um, we, knew, we know it was just hours away. They, might, they, had, no, they had no idea. Right, right. I could, I could think about that. I mean, I could put myself in that position thinking maybe one day he's talking about, but not today because we're, you know, just entered the city and we're. But what you know, makes me think that is John says none of us knew what he was talking about. You know, right. What the intent was. Even John. Even, even no, himself, none of them knew. Told him, yeah. But he still didn't. Oh, and it's amazing you know. that even after, I mean, they still don't get it after the resurrection. Like, Jesus is still trying to get it in their head. And it's not until the Holy Spirit descends in Acts chapter 2 that Peter, you know, <coughs> is filled with the Spirit and starts preaching about the gospel. You know, up until then, they're hiding in the upper room, you know, hoping that the Romans don't come and get them. You know, they're just like, uh, you know, so. Really and truly, all this is going on, and we look at it in hindsight, and we say, wow, I can really understand that. But at the time, you know, they were good, orthodox Jewish men who were, you know, the farthest thing from their mind was that orthodox Judaism wasn't the deal. You know, this was the Messiah of the Jews. Here he was, and this is what. And so that's a whole other deal. But that's that's true. I could, I could go along with that. Where am I at? No man at the table knew for what intent he spoke. Jesus said, you go do, do, you just get over with what you're fixing to do. What do you think Jesus is thinking at this point? He's, he doesn't point, I, I would point the man out at least. I would have said, this is him right here. Y'all at least give him some dirty looks before he leaves the table. I think it's hard. Yeah, but it was all part of God's plans. It was part of God's plan. So he wasn't really... Yeah, well, he knew it had to happen, and he was troubled in his spirit about it, but he submitted himself to it, didn't he? He just, this is what's this is what's gonna happen. He gave him the bread and he said, What you're gonna do? Just go on and go on and go do it. And Satan entered into Judas. Why do you think Satan had not been there before? Oh yeah. I think he was there all the time. Okay. I think he just manifested at that point. Right. Jesus, in earlier in the gospel, Jesus called Judas a devil. He said, one of y'all is a devil. Chapters and chapters earlier. So it's not like Jesus all of a sudden figured out, hey, this is the guy. He always knew who the traitor was. When he called Judas, he knew that his heart wasn't right. He knew that it was going to be that way. But here's my thing. This is what I was just thinking. I'm thinking out loud. This is not hard and fast. But if I was Judas... And I know my wicked heart, I could very, very easily beat Judas. And so could you, whether you know it or not. Um, if I was Judas at this moment, now Judas knows that Jesus knows. See what I mean? It's not Judas, Judas as far as Judas was concerned, he, he thought he was the only one that knew that he was fixing to betray Jesus. But now Jesus said, what you going to do, you just go do Now Judas knows that Jesus knows that he's the betrayer. He just said, one of y'all is going to betray me. And he says, you go and do what you're going to do. So Judas gets up and leaves. But if I'm Judas and I find out that the master knows that I'm a betrayer. And he knows what I've been up to. He knows that I've been to the Pharisees. He knows that I've collected 30 pieces of silver. He knows that I set all this up. And now tonight I'm going to go out and I'm going to bring them to him. And, and I realize as Judas that he knows all this. 
I want to think, I don't know for sure, but I'd want to think that I would break down crying right there and repent and say, look, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. But at that moment, when it might have been that his heart might have been a little more pliable, a little more soft, a little more whatever, what happened? Satan entered into him. Hardened it up again. Well, that's just goes. like the word being thrown on the heart is thrown. The command to take the yeah. word out of Satan steals the word out from him before you have a chance. He hardened his heart and walked out into the night. Did you going to say something? Yeah, we well, already do earlier right the gospel that everything Judas did was for his gain. Yes, he was selfish, money keeper. Yeah, everything he did was for his gain. He never did nothing out of love. Right. Right. But you want to think like, I mean, my heart's no different than Judas's, really. And yours isn't either. We have the Holy Spirit who've been born again. And therefore, we have the Spirit of God in us that wars against that heart and propels us to do what God loves. And love. we love God. We, we have that not because we're so awesome and so great and so, yay, I'm great. We have that because we have the Spirit of God inside of us and for no other reason. And if it had not been for the grace of God, we would be Judas. And we were Judas. See what I mean? We were walking out into the night betraying Him all the time. Uh, it reminds me... Of like, uh, you know, I want to think that I would have done something different, but I don't know. For I don't, I don't know for sure. It's, it reminds me of. Uh, I, I know people that I've heard people. You know, got my handgun permit and all that stuff. And when I was in in in, in high school, there was guys like I wish I wish dude point a gun at me. You point a gun at me, you better be ready to use. You gonna have to use. It. But then if you ever had a gun for real pointed at you, like so I'm not talking about playing. Like I'm fixing to shoot you, and I have had that. It's a whole different feeling, Jack. It's, it's like, it ain't like, well, I tell you what. you No, no. It's like like swimming with a shark, you know. I swam with a shark in the water. And it wasn't no, it wasn't no great white shark. It was just a little three foot, you know. But I want out the water, you know what I'm saying? I don't care. I want out the water, you know. And so I can say what I would do. I can say, you know, I'll tell you what I'd do if I, if I was you. But when you're in that position, man, your heart takes control. It says Satan entered him, and his heart hardened, and bang, he was gone. You know, And so we really should understand the whole point of this passage is going to be about you need to understand how wicked your heart is. And there's two responses to that. And I'm going to kind of hurry up and get to the point, and then we'll finish reading. And neither one of these responses is correct. Your heart is wicked. We know that. It's wicked to the core, just like mine, just like everybody else's. You can respond in one of two ways here. We're going to see that both are wrong. The way Judas responded, he said, that's just the way I am. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm just going to do what I do. You know, he went out into the night. He continued right on. He knew that his heart was wicked. He knew that Jesus knew that his heart was wicked. He knew that Jesus knew what he was about to do, but he went on and did it anyway. I know it says Satan entered him, but that does not mean that Judas is no longer responsible for his actions. Okay? Make sure you understand that. Because the devil tempts you, because he sits on your shoulder, whispers in your ear, because he grabs hold of your heart and puts some intention in you, that does not make you not responsible for your actions. Judas's response when he realized his heart was wicked and Jesus knew his heart was wicked was, you know what? That's just the way I am. And I, I can't help it. And so I'm, that's the way I'm built. That's the way I'm made. That's just what I'm going to do. That's the wrong response. That's the sinful response. The second response is what Peter did. Peter, later on, let's just go on and read it and then I'll finish. He said, 
that quick question, Jason, because it required response to what you just said. So when it says Satan entered in him, that was not like a possession type. Thing. No, I don't think so. Not like a head spinning around vomiting well, piece of thing. But I mean, you could right. see somebody reading that would think that. Yeah, it, it could. Funny enough, the word the word possession never appears in the original text. When it says like when you read it in the English version, it says he was possessed like by pig, a demon. It'll say he was demonized. He was that's the word demonized. And so the whole idea of taking over your body where you're a robot being controlled by something inside of you. You know, we could debate that. We could debate that, you know. But the definite, I can tell you for 100% sure that to be influenced, to be oppressed, to be all these things about demons is, to, it's, it's, it's right here and it's right here. He's going to be sitting on your shoulder. He's going to be saying, you really need to do this. You really can't do that. You really, he's going to be influencing you. He's going to be doing those things. He may even oppress you in despair and depression. He may get bring those things. But the whole, you know, the whole... Uh, I don't want to get too far into all that. You, we can talk about, we can, we can debate that because there's different views about that. But the whole "I'm a robot and I'm, I'm no longer responsible for my action" deal—that's uh, stretching it a little. Makes sense. Uh, well, verse 29 says, "No," or 28 says, "No man at the table knew what intent he spoke." Some of them thought because Judas had the bag. When he told Judas to go out, they didn't really understand what. Uh, they didn't know that he was telling him to go, you betrayer, go do what you were going to do. Uh, that Jesus had said to him, he, he they thought he he was talking about maybe buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. And then he then having received the sop went out immediately, and it was night. Okay, I want to skip 31 through 35 and get that. I want to come back to that in just a second. But skipping that, what Jesus says right there, verse 36 says, Simon Peter said it to him, Lord, Jesus had told him, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. Simon Peter said it to him, Lord, whither thou goest? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him, he says, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me three times. Now, Peter has, is just deceived about his wicked heart, isn't he? I tell you what I'm going to do. I, I don't care what happens. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm gonna, he's overconfident. He is trusting in his own strength. He's trusting in his own faith. Does that make sense? He's trusting. My faith is not in my faith. My faith is in Jesus. Does that make sense? So it's like, wow, you have a really, really great faith. No, I have a little bitty faith, but I have a great big God in whom my faith is in. Does that make sense? And so Peter's like, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow you. I, I, it, don't matter. it don't matter what happens. I'm going to follow you. And Jesus says, Peter, you're not even going to make it through the night, man. And, of course, we'll see that played out. Peter's heart is no different than Judas's heart. Judas says, you know what? I am who I am, and I'm just going to do what I do. And I, you know, that's the way I made. God made me that way. and pff, Ain't nothing I can do about it, so why even try? Peter says, I'm not wicked. I'm not wicked. I'm good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna, in my own power, in my strength, I'm going I'm to pull up my bootstraps, and I'm going to follow you. And I'm, Jesus is like, you're not even going to make it through the night. And the thing about it that's amazing is Jesus loved them, even though he knew that Peter 
was overconfident. He knew that Peter wasn't going to make it through the night. He knew that Peter wasn't going to follow him. He knew that Peter was just going to be afraid and deny him three times. And he denied him to the lowest of people. Denied him to a slave girl and then to a, the doorkeeper at the temple. And I mean, it wasn't like wasn't like a, the Pharisees came and, and at trial and said, "Are you one of his?" These were people out in the courtyard, you know. And Peter was denying. Him. He was scared, scared out of his mind. His heart was just as wicked as Judas. But the difference between Judas and Peter here was Peter didn't recognize it. He didn't realize it. Jesus is going to tell them in John 15, he's going to say, you can do nothing without me. You can't love God without me. You can't follow God without me. You can't trust God without me. You know, if, if, if the Spirit of God were to depart from you, which we know is impossible for a believer, but if it were to depart from you for five minutes, you know what would happen? You'd go right back to where you were. You'd go right back, probably even worse. You would, and I would too. And that's that's not a, it's, it's a scary thing, but it's not scary because we know that that can't happen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But what it does do is because we get used to grace. We get used to trusting in Christ. We get used to following in Christ. It makes us a little confident, like, like well, I'm better than that guy. You know, I'm better than that. You ever heard the saying, there but by the grace of God go I, or something like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? If it wasn't for God's grace, you'd be that person. You, you'd be stacking paper if it wasn't for God's grace. If it wasn't for God's grace, I'd be right back where I was. Now, if not worse, if not worse. And it was just God's grace that changed me. It was God's. And, and so Peter is going to experience this firsthand. Peter says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be your man. Nothing can dissuade me. Jesus says, Peter, you're not even going to make it 24 hours. By yourself, in your own strength, you're not even going to make it 24 hours. And so he's preparing them by showing them the wickedness of their heart. So two things that we can't do. we got to know that our hearts are wicked. You've got to. If you, if you know your own heart, and you do know your own heart, and you can't see how wicked it is, you're either in denial or you're just insane. Because your heart is wicked, just like mine, just like my children, just like my grandmother, just like everybody. Your heart is wicked. The two things that we can't do are the two things that Judas and Peter did. Judas just said, you know what? For all intents and purposes, he just said, so what? I, I got to do what I got to do. You know, it's all good. I'm just going to be who I am and I'm going to do what I do. And we know it's wicked, so I'm just going to rock right along with it. That's how it rolls. You can't do that. That's not the Christian life. That's not what God's called us to. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you won't be able to do that. The second thing you, can, you can't do is you can say, you can't say, well, I know that says my heart's wicked, but whew, it, ain't, it ain't as wicked as them other guys. You know, Peter's like them disciples. You know, all these guys in another gospel, Peter says, though all these guys depart and leave you, I'll stay with you. He's talking about, imagine being one of them other ten. Peter's like, Peter says, even if this guy over here leaves you, I'm going to stay with you. The other guy's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going nowhere. Peter was like, he was confident. I can handle it. I can do it. I can, I can keep up. I can handle it. And he didn't even make it through the night. He didn't make it through the night. You see that? You can't, you can't rely on your own strength. And you can't be cocky and confident. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that guy. I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Because without Christ, you're not doing anything. You won't make it through the night. But then again, you can't be like Judas either and say, you know what, I'm wicked. Ain't nothing I can do about it. The harder I try, the more I fail. Therefore, I'm just going to keep rocking right along. You can't do that either. That's not the, that's not the heart of God. So what do we do? What, what's the answer? The answer is going to be found in, in the middle of those verses that I skipped. 
He says, after he was gone out, he says, Jesus said, verse 31, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. First thing, Jesus wants them to know that the purpose of all this, the purpose of all this going on is going to be the glory of God. That's why you're here. You're not here to for your own purpose. You're not here to be happy. You're not here to do what you want to do. You're not here. The, what you are here to do is glorify God, period. You're here to glorify Him by making Him known and knowing Him more and more each day. That's what you're here to do. That's what all this is about. He's telling His disciples, it's going to be scary. They're going to come get me. And He's not telling them all this, but in in a few hours, they're going to be thinking like, oh, our our whole world is falling apart. Jesus is letting them know that, hey, I know what's going to happen. And it's all going to be for God's glory. And I'm going to be glorified when I take the right hand of the Father. It says, 31 says, now Son Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in Him. If God be glorified in Him, God shall also glorify Him talk about the Son of Man, in Himself and shall straightway glorify Him. What that's saying is I'm going to glorify God. How does the cross glorify God? The Father. How does the cross glorify the Father? It conquers sin. It conquers sin? What else? It does it in a lot of ways. That's right. What else? Glorify the Father. He showed His uh, justice. He showed His justice. That's right. Is anybody in this class besides Him? It allows us access to God. Yes, that glorifies God. So all these things you know. There's lots more. We could talk about that, how the cross glorifies God for an hour. All kind of things. And then because Jesus did that, God, the Father, glorifies the Son. How does He do that? When Jesus was raised from the dead, He said, All power and authority is given to me. And then what happened? He ascended to the Father and sat down at the right hand. Paul says that God, the Father... Uh, gave him a name that was above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that, that he is Lord. And so the Father glorified the Son. And then he said, this is what I want you to do. That's what we're here for. Glorify God. This is what I want you to do. Verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I'll be with you. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you. This is the command he's given. I'm leaving. This is what I want you to do. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Is love a new commandment? Why is love a new? Why does he say it's a new commandment here? Way back in Leviticus. It is. That's right. That's true. What what else? What else could it be? He said, I'll just tell you, I don't have time to wait on you. It's almost, Sunday school is almost over. Way back in Leviticus. Yeah, there you go. Way back in Leviticus, it said you are to love your neighbor as yourself. As you love yourself. I am to love you as I love myself. But Jesus here is giving you a new commandment. He's saying now you're to love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. Because he's giving them a new example. Yeah, he's giving them. It's not as, it's like Paul said in Philippians. He said, let each man, let each man bear one another's burden. He said, let each one love, esteem one another better than yourselves. He said, don't love them like, don't just, he's not nullifying the command in Leviticus either, so don't think that. But what he's saying is, you're not just going to love them as yourself. You're going to love them as I have loved you. How did he show his love to them? He died. He died for them, but what did he do right in the beginning of this chapter? 
Servant, he washed their feet. He took on a towel, service, and he served them. The Lord of glory, the King, all authority. It says, knowing that God had given him all authority, he took off his outer clothes, put on a towel, and he served. He served. Love one another, as I said to you. And then he says, verse 35, and then we're done. It says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this shall all men know. So... When we say love one another, we're talking about this is what magnifies God's kingdom. This is what is the evidence that you are his disciple, that the world will see and say, wow, you know, that we always talk about that, you know, that that I want the world to see how I live and see what I do. What they're going to see is not just, wow, that guy's really a good person. That guy doesn't cuss and he doesn't drink and he doesn't. You know, do all the things, whatever. It's not that at all. It's his love for the brethren, his love for one another. There were Roman historians that that noted in their histories when they wrote, secular Roman historians that noted that these Christians are crazy. They give of their their selves to each other. They share meals. They have all things in common. They, I mean, they talked about all these things, all about the love they have for your for the brethren. One of the marks of being a Christian is that you love the brethren. Who are the brethren? It's more it's more of a tolerating now than love. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Who are the brethren? Everybody? You're supposed to love everybody. You are supposed to love everybody. Are you supposed to love your brothers and sisters in Christ in a different way than you love everybody else? Think about it. Think about it. No. You're really not. We do, but we're not supposed to. You don't think so? Well, it sounds like we have a discussion on our hands, don't we? What do you say? Uh-huh. Well, now, I'm not the... I'm not the arbiter. I'm not God. Does the Bible say Oh, that's good. You said, go ahead. We are to serve the house of the brethren first. It says, do good to all men, especially to the house of the faith. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is what, this is what, and I'm just going to offer this. So don't take this as Jason said, therefore it is true. I'm just going to offer this. You, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Uh, it would be good. Okay, Brian, do you love me? Honestly. Okay. All right. That's right. Do you love me the same way that you love Meredith? Okay. Is it wrong for Brian not to love me the same way he loves Meredith? Matter of fact, it's right for for Brian to love Meredith more than he loves me. If Meredith didn't love, if if Brian didn't love Meredith more than he loved me, you'd think, wow, what's wrong with that guy? (laughs) Something wrong with him. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't love all people. Jesus loves all people, and we're supposed to love all people. Those things are clear in Scripture, and they can't be more clear. So there are different kinds of love. There's a love that I have for Dana. You know, a man, a husband is supposed to love his wife not the same way he loves everybody else's wife. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
different kinds of love. Different kinds of love. I love y'all's, I'm the, you know, the, as the youth pastor and teaching music here, and I love y'all's children. But I love my children different than I love y'all's children. Okay? And I think it's, I think it's right that I love my children different. Than, you know, if somebody broke in my house and was beating up my wife, and I stood there going, what do I do? I love both of y'all. <laughs> you know, you'd think, this guy's weird. This yeah. guy's weird. No, I, I love my wife in a different way than I love my neighbor. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So if, my neighbor, if it comes down to, I, told, I tell the youth all the time, you know, how I'm expressing God's love, how he loved you. I wouldn't let my son get a cold for you. <laughs> Much less die. And if it come down, somebody walked in here with a gun and said, I'm going to either kill your son or I'm going to kill one of these kids, y'all better be prayed up. <laughs> one of y'all ain't going to make it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I see that happening to your wife and your children. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to defend him. I'm going to have to stand in her place. Yeah, you'll, get, you'll give yourself for somebody else's wife, but you wouldn't give your wife for somebody else's wife. Wait a minute, we ain't getting stop stop right there. I'm not talking about self self sacrifice. Yeah, I know, I know. Self sacrifice is not you know, if somebody walks in and says, I'm gonna kill you or I'm gonna kill one of y'all's children, I would take the place of one of y'all's children. No problem. I would do that. But I wouldn't let my child take the place of one of y'all's children. See what I mean? There's no way. And that may be a flaw, and we can talk. This this subject is so complex. You know, we can say, well, what if, and then we, you know. So we can talk. I'm not giving you a hard and fast rule here like this is well, the way. I mean, there's love is such a huge thing in the way we love and the way Christ loved. And I think there is, I mean, I really think there is a difference. Not more love or less love, but there is a difference between the way we love the brethren and the way we love the world, the neighbor. You see what I mean? Because we love, my love for you and your love for me is really rooted in Christ and our union with Christ. My love for them is is I want to care for them to bring them to Christ. Does that make sense? Right. You know? So it doesn't mean I love them less or I just love them differently than I love love here. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And there's all kinds of what ifs. There's all kinds of things. So don't take that as, okay, this is the rule and this is how I know we're supposed to love them. There's all kind of things we could talk about that, that are going to be little intricacies about how that's played out and how it works and, and all those things. So it's very complex and it's not it's something we're not going to be able to cover in just a few minutes. But I do think, does that make sense? I've said that three or four times. Y'all understand? You understand what I'm talking about? Everybody with me? Okay, so the main point of this passage, though, is that your heart is wicked. And you're either going to be like Judas and just rock on. Or you're going to be like Peter and think my heart ain't wicked and I can do this, I, I can handle it. Or we're going to follow what Jesus said. And you know what? I can't do anything without you. I'm here to glorify you and I'm here to love your children. Make sense? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings, your mercy. Thank you for the grace that you've given us. Thanks for uh, just, God, all that you've done in our lives. All the things that we uh, 